1: feels like progress the chime credit builder visa credit Card is issued by bank bank na or stride bank na members fdic out of network atm withdrawal and otc advance fees may apply terms and conditions apply go to chime.com disclosures for details people hate on nine to fives obviously the whole <laughs> like do, yeah. entrepreneur hustle life and all this yeah but um obviously doing a side hustle like we do is, is hard work it is yeah. essentially a second full-time job and also with a nine to five it's quite stable you get monthly income so you can invest every month um you might get like a workplace pension with an employer match so you can use that to invest every month as well usdt was it terra luna yeah which was like the fifth biggest crypto and that went yeah. to zero yeah um, like ksi invested three mil and he lost like 100 percent of his money overnight that's why he's doing his boxing matches. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of investing is just about like mindset and psychology and just understanding like crashes and corrections happen like on average the market corrects which is a 10 percent fall every one to two years, every 18 months on average. Fidelity, they've done this study years ago and they found out like the be- investors with the best returns were actually dead because they hadn't <laughs> been able to tinker with their portfolio. <laughs> Whereas everyone trying to buy and sell, That's like mad. time the highs and lows, actually lost out to the investors that are dead and just left their money there.
2: About a year ago, I think we we spoke about you building your portfolio to 40, 40K. Has it grown since then?
1: Now it's roughly about 60K. Whoa,
2: whoa, <laughs> what? So 20 grand increase? Yeah, 20K, yeah welcome to the takeoff experience where i sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey their failures and their successes if you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances, or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Takeoff Experience. We've got a special guest, uh, actually a returning guest in the building. This is our first, actually, in person podcast together. Uh, so we've got Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to being here in person this time. Yeah, no, no. Um, I'm happy that you have you here. And a fellow Arsenal fan, we we're talking about like how good top of a of the game league. League it was. Yeah, totally. I mean,. They're
1: different. They're definitely different this season. Not not too many tough games yet, but we're looking decent. So a couple more signings before the end of the window. Hopefully we can uh, secure top four. Yeah, you know what's
2: interesting, right? Like, even when we were, like, 1-0 down, it was so weird. I wasn't that worried. I was like, we look good. Because
1: I go to the games as well, and atmosphere was buzzing. So the second we went 1-0 down, everyone's still getting behind the team. Whereas a couple of years ago, go 1-0 down, people are booing. The atmosphere is bad whereas yeah. this season. It's the same as last season as well, but the atmosphere is definitely a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. No, I really do
2: appreciate it. And, I, you know, I get to watch my favorite um, uh, team again. Um, but just to remind those who have never listened to an episode with you before, who is Ryan?
1: Yeah, so I'm Ryan. I'm now 25 years old. I essentially work as an accountant in London and also live in South London at the moment. Um, and then on the side, I have Making Money Simple, which is my financial education sort of platform where I share personal finance tips. The main aim is to get people to start investing. Um, that's obviously how I met you and why yeah. I'm here. Yeah. And then it originally started off in 2019 as just like a blog, then started an Instagram. And then over time, it sort of evolved to now where it's like a podcast, a YouTube channel, a TikTok, trying to do as much as possible to yeah. get the word out there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
2: And yeah, yeah, I think you were one of the first pages I followed. Year, well two years ago now oh. i don't remember how we connected but yeah i remember you were super consistent you were posting <laughs> valuable content and it's so crazy like how the content's changed because it was more like infographics mm. and now it's like videos yeah, it's, a and more tweets. So yeah it's, it's changed a lot but no you were the one thing that you definitely have been so consistent on is um pushing index funds and the fact that you're transparent with what you invest i think that's why you have got a lot of people following you and engaging with you because you're fully transparent with with every with all your investments. And you know, as we both know, we invest in, right, it's not like a path up. It's not just up. Sometimes it's down, and you, down. and you show that as well, which uh, I think a lot of people um, appreciate. But like, I think we had our podcast episode like a year ago. So what what's changed since that time? I
1: mean, so since then, so back then I was living in East London. Okay. Now oh wow, ah, really? Now I'm in okay. South London
2: okay why uh, why i uh, clap oh clap oh nice
1: nice nice <laughs> nice area <laughs> yeah uh this time last year i think i also had just finished my accounting exams yeah so now i'm like officially a qualified chartered accountant wow. which is good um so that's more personal side on the making money simple side um, i got monetized on youtube actually wow. at fantastic. the start at the start of this year i think it was slash end of last year fantastic so not earning much money but the odd 20, 30 quid a month is <laughs> better, better than nothing. It's
2: better than nothing. I mean, if you get one video that's viral, at least you know you'll get yeah. paid for it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and important. all the old videos are monetized,
1: yeah. so they get paid going forward as well. Yeah. So all the content like I made before isn't like wasted. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just as you were saying, like trying to post weekly podcasts, YouTube videos, Instagram posts, all that sort of stuff is sort of the same as it was a year ago.
2: Yeah, wow, wow. That's crazy. What an achievement. Um, and what are you thinking... Over the next year, what's going to happen? What's going to be different?
1: I'm moving to Australia. Okay. Which I've not actually really said much before. So okay. i got an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank
2: you. So why, why haven't you said
1: anything about it, like online? Yeah, yeah. I, so it's... Because i have always worried it's eventually going to fall through. I don't oh, think it okay. will at this point. I've signed okay. contracts and stuff, so I'll be okay. going with my like employee. I'm doing a three year commitment. Yeah. Um, I think close to the time, my plan is mm. to start tweeting about it. I also okay. want to know like the best current accounts, best credit yeah. cards, best investment accounts. I need to research all of that yeah. so when I get over there, I can obviously find start. out all the yeah. financial <laughs> influences <laughs> in like, Isn't it one that we both follow? I think actually. There's a few. There's like Investor Queenie. Yeah. Yeah. I there's remember, another guy yeah. called Blake who I think is fire with a family. Okay. There's another guy called Ollie. Oh, I can't think of his yeah. app, but there's a few, yeah, a few Aussies who I'll DM and see if they can help me out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's going to
2: be really interesting from your perspective because you're coming at it from a complete different perspective. You're coming at it from here, the UK. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like out there. Like, is the system the same? Is it slightly different? Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm going to be interested to see actually just what their cultures like in terms of money Yeah, because here is very much like you get a house as soon as possible. You yeah. then rely on your pension. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially it. Yeah. Only, even now, only, I think, 3% of people have yeah. a Stocks and Shares ISA. Yeah, it's and the average Stocks and Shares ISA pot is only £9,000. Yeah. So you think about it, that's hardly anyone and in a tiny pot. of People yeah. really do have it. So I'd be interested to see if... I feel like Americans are more money-focused than Way us. Way more, yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I want to see where the Aussies are in between us and America. I'd be interested yeah. to see. I, you know what? There's... Um... There's a really
2: popular podcast called Girls That Invest. Yes, and I'm I pretty them sure as well. that they're from Australia. Yes, yeah, so I have a feeling that they might be, but again, it'll be interesting to um to 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 see uh what that's like. Um, so do you know what you're gonna Whereabouts in Australia? Melbourne, Melbourne. I don't know much about it. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: sort of, and I don't know much about Australia, but it seems to be like the sort of sport capital of Australia. They have mm-hmm. got the Grand Prix they got the tennis right. they got golf they got obviously aussie rules football rugby cricket so be a lot of sport to watch would be good i'm looking wow. forward most to mostly going to the melbourne grand prix <laughs> hopefully in april 2023 um but yeah be going to sport and events. Wow, and you're going to actually try and go to it? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's mad. All three that, days, that, hopefully. That, 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 that is crazy. <laughs> i wish wow. I make some friends, first of all, that I can go to these things with. but I'm sure it'll be all right. <laughs> I, I'm sure you'll be
2: fine. I mean, you're a sociable guy. Uh, and you, you know there's financial influences there. And I'm sure that they'll be happy to welcome you. And then you can give us a little bit of an insight of what it's yeah, like yeah. out there. Um, so I wanted to know. So about a year ago, I think we, we spoke about you building your portfolio to 40, 40K. Um, Has it grown since then? Now it's roughly about 60k. Whoa. Whoa, (laughs) what? So 20 grand increase? 20k, yeah. That's insane. Is that because of... Why Why is that? So it's
1: largely due to my own contributions. Okay. Obviously, if anyone's been investing really this year, they sort of know it's been... The last month's been all right, actually. But generally speaking, the markets like the S&P 500, Mm. the global sort of indexes and funds are still down year to date over the last sort of eight, nine months. Um, but really, I've been focusing on investing as much as possible. Yeah. So I, since October last year, when I qualified as the Chartered Accountant and got a big pay rise, I've been putting 650 into my stock and shares ice for every single month. Um, i ended on my workplace pension, which is 6% and my employee matches it. So that's like 12% of my salary going into my workplace pension every month. Um, I also recently opened up a SIP with Vanguard maybe like four months ago. I've been putting four hundred pound a month into that. Why did you open that? Essentially, I can't withdraw money from my company, making money simple, tax efficiently. Uh, because a salary, my marginal tax rate is quite high, and in dividends, I can take two k, but after that, it's I pay like once again a higher tax rate. Okay. So, then the third way, you can withdraw money is essentially by paying it into a pension. So it's sort of I can't obviously access that money for like thirty five odd years. Yeah, but. It's still sort of in my name and i can then like have it growing over the next sort of 20 30 years rather than just sitting in cash yeah in my like business bank account doing nothing um and another one of those three is then crypto which i'm still sort of investing regularly into maybe like between sort of 30 and 100 pound a month probably average around 60 a bit of bitcoin a bit of ethereum which you can yeah. come on to um but yeah essentially mainly through my own contributions okay. um is how that's grown, But I think that's an important point because I think when it comes to investing, a lot of people think you're going to invest and then after like a few months, even a few years, you're going to have loads of money. But ultimately, even in the first decade, the most important thing is just your own contributions and getting as much money invested as possible yeah. because then that's then going to grow and snowball and compound over the decades to come. So almost, I'm at the point now where I've been investing for five years as well, so it's not happened overnight. But now I'm on a decent salary, got like a workplace pension, got obviously my my side hustle, making money simple, which makes money. So now I can actually sort of contribute a decent amount every month. And I've got that sort of base now where over the last five years, even though I did have to stop investing, my wealth would hopefully still compound pretty steadily over the next sort of 20 years. But obviously the plan is to carry on invest as much as possible and then eventually be uh, financially free.
2: I was going to ask you, is that the ultimate goal to become financially free? Is that why you're investing so aggressively?
1: Yeah, I think like the more medium term goal is to do making money simple full time. Okay. I know quite a few people in the UK actually, some of our friends do like their sort of finance influencer thing full time. And there's quite a few people in America that know that do it as well. Yeah. I don't really earn anywhere near enough money at the moment between my different like things to uh, do it full time. But I reckon if I could build up to a point earn like a decent amount of money i could then do this full-time and in the long-term goal would essentially be to build my investment pot up so that i can live off of that money yeah and then still do make money simple though because i enjoy it yeah. but um not work like a nine-to-five corporate job even yeah. though i imagine i will be doing that probably for a good like at least five to ten years yeah but it, people hate on nine to fives obviously the whole <laughs> like do, yeah. entrepreneur hustle life and all this yeah but um obviously doing a side hustle like we do it is hard work it it's, is yeah. essentially a second full-time job it is yeah. um And also with a nine to five, it's quite stable. You get monthly income, so you can invest every month. Um, You might get like a workplace pension with an employer match. So you can use that to invest every month as well. So there are pros and cons. Um, So yeah, I'll carry on doing this for now. And then hopefully one day, do you make money simple full time? And then one day, one day be, yeah, financially independent and free.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's crazy. Um, I like the idea that you are long-term thinking. I think a lot of people are very quick to just... Start a business and just quit their job, but yeah. you, you've got a, like a clear plan of how you want to do things, and you don't actually mind. Okay, if I'm gonna be in a nine to five, let me use, let me take advantage of their benefits, yeah. which is pension. Like you know, the pension is such a big benefit that I think people yeah. don't realize until when it comes to when you you need it later on in your life. I mean, saying to somebody that will give you six percent
1: of your salary for free, yeah, you're literally getting a hundred percent return on your own money, yeah, for complete free. Yeah, you're then also Avoiding some income tax because you contribute to a pension out of your gross salary, which then means you have more money compounding over the next 20, 30 years. So, of course, you have to pay tax in the end, the first 25%. Yeah, yeah, after. But but then you eventually pay tax after the first 25%, which is tax free. But still, you get free money from your employer. You then have their free money and the sort of tax relief money that you've got by contributing gross all compounding for decades to come yeah which is why you hear some people years ago who didn't even contribute to a pension hardly anything they now have hundreds of thousands of pounds just because of that sort of 40 year time period where you start work at 20 finish at 60 and then you have a sort of nice surprise which hopefully i'll have a yeah a good surprise when it comes to live off of it one day yeah yeah no it's i think
2: i think all of this stuff is just about thinking long term you know i always say to people even myself right like I want to do savvy wallet full time, but I'm not in a rush. Yeah, yeah, I want it to get to a point where it's like quite organic. It's it's sure that it's gonna make a steady amount of income, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's um, it's not spiking up, it's not spiking down, it's steady. It's it's growing organically to the point where where it does. that. And I think that you have the the same mindset, but at the same time, you're still you're still going on adventures. I mean, you're going to Australia, yeah, regardless, yeah. right? So you, it's not like you're you're stuck in one place. You're yeah. still... Willing to so how how are you gonna try and manage all of that? The transition to Australia, yeah. you're making money simple.
1: Yes, it's gonna be tough. I think it'll be quite good at the start because all the new things I can learn I can obviously share yeah. with like i mean, even though most of my audience is from the UK, hopefully they'll be interested and like it. I'm <laughs> sure they will be. Um, there
2: people wanna know what like people are getting up to in another yeah. country. Yeah. But
1: um I mean it's a ten to eleven hour time difference, I think. So um. it will be tough in terms of posting. I'd have to probably schedule posts, maybe like very early. Maybe very late at night, and yeah. then sort of when I wake up, then reply to comments and DMs and stuff. Um, I mean, I'll definitely try and make it work, but I guess I might be slightly less active if I'm sort of trying to enjoy myself and have fun whilst I'm out there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm living in London, too. and it's obviously, as you know, very social and busy. And I've generally made it work most of the time over the last sort of three years now. So hopefully, Australia will be the same and just all things going the sort of same, posting daily on my like Instagram, TikTok, and posting weekly on youtube and yeah. trying to do podcast episodes and that sort of thing yeah i'm looking forward to, to seeing seeing how it goes let me know <laughs> um you got a long flight though forget yeah, no. it yeah. two flights
2: three flights <laughs> um so yeah as you as you mentioned before the stock market has not had a great year this year is is recovered a bit but at one point i think it was around may it was really it was really bad yeah. everybody was yeah. running away
1: i think like at one point the nasdaq which the largest 100 US tech yeah. stocks, was down like 35%. Yeah, The S&P 500 was down 25%. Global markets were down like 20%. So yeah. like I think Bitcoin and Ethereum were down like 50 odd percent. It's, yeah, and they're still highs. Down so as well. Quite pretty, a bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of things took a pounding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a lot of things took a pounding and the kind of conversations I was having with people, a lot of people were thinking nuclear warfare was going to happen. Yeah. And I was saying, no yeah. way. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to happen. I was like, that doesn't... You know, I, I I get the fear and where that comes from, but I
1: just didn't think that why would you want to kill yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's just we had the war, like inflation, now interest yeah. rates rising. Yeah. So sort of everything that's going wrong Economic, even though unemployment's really low, um, obviously economically people focus a lot on inflation interest rates and that's yeah. was ultimately driven um this. And that all then stems from like Brexit, Covid, yeah, the war in Europe. Yeah. And it also yeah. contributes to yeah, a bad sentiment, and ultimately, it's the negative sentiment or positive sentiment that drives the market.
2: Yeah, how did you deal with the stock market during that time? Like, how, what convinced you to be like, yeah, I'm going to continue
1: investing regardless? So I literally did nothing different. And okay. the thing is, those times when there is absolute turmoil, so things like world wars, or like the dot com crash, or like nine eleven or like the 2008 financial crash shows, or COVID when it first happened in March 2020. Yeah. Those like terrible events are often when the stock market drops the most and are the best times to invest. Because if you look at, if you're investing in sort of like a broad fund, so like the US stock market, the S&P 500, the global stock market, that's the FTSE All World or the FTSE Global All Cap, those sort of funds have hundreds, if not thousands of companies. And if you look at a chart over their sort of period for 10, 20, 50 years, They always steadily go up over time. Of course, they're gonna be negatively impacted where there are these bad events, but companies always sort of bounce back. The people, humans always bounce back, which is why, as we're gonna get onto, I prefer using index funds and not individual stocks because individual stocks can fail. Um, But I literally done nothing different. I mean, if anything, I probably should have tried to invest more because there were like some very bad <laughs> lows. But I just continued investing as normal. Most of my investments are automatic, so the money just flows into it okay. from my sort of account or from my salary each month. Um, and I just carried on as usual, carried on investing. And now since then, everything's sort of a bit more back in the green now because yeah. the market's a bounce back sort of since June.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's epic, and I think that's uh, is a really important message for uh, people to understand that actually the best time when it comes to investing is when
1: everything's on discount. Yeah. Just like in real life, yeah. right? When are on discount, yeah. that's when
2: you want to buy stuff. So it's this exact same thing with investing. The thing
1: is as well, you can't time the lows. Yeah. So what I was saying there was like, I should have invested more. But just say I did invest more because the market was down 10% really? in March. It could have then dropped another 20% or 50%. Yeah. No one knows. It, like, all these economists make predictions that are very rarely right. And if they were right even once, they would just put all of their money at the low and then sell it at the high and then never yeah, work again exactly, they get yeah. most of their predictions wrong, wrong yeah. all of the bankers at the bank of england and these inflation people get all of their <laughs> predictions wrong and they're on like hundreds of thousands of pounds a year yeah but uh, which is why the thing the best thing to do is literally set up an automatic payment yeah. and just stick to it, whether the market's falling or rising um of course if the market does drop you know 30 percent in a month and you have an extra hundred quid you can invest it's probably going to do well but it's yeah. not to say the market could not drop further after that 30 percent. so i think investing automatically regularly the same amount sort of each month and then increasing that amount as your salary goes up over time is what i've done over the last five years and i think it's pretty much the best way to just invest because it takes the emotion out of it it takes all market timing out of it you're just sort of being consistent and then your wealth will grow slowly over time yeah yeah and you
2: invest Yourself in a global—is it just one global index fund now? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So
1: my stocks and shares ISA and my SIP, which is probably over half my portfolio, probably about thirty-five thousand mm-hmm. pound, um, is all in, or maybe thirty thousand pound actually, yeah, somewhere around there, is all in the FTSE Global All Cap, which is a Vanguard global index fund. it Essentially, invests into seven thousand stocks all around the world. It's still dominated by U.S. stocks because it how it works is it's like weighted to each country in the proportion that they make up of the stock market. So the US stock market makes up about 57% of the global stock market. So the FTSE Global All Cap has 57% US stocks. UK makes up about 4% of the global stock market. So the FTSE Global All Cap (laughs) has 4% UK stocks. And it's almost like proportionally weighted and efficient. And as different countries grow and contract, and as different companies fail and succeed, that's then reflected in the global fund. And then, yeah, my wealth has sort of grown steadily with that over time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a to global all cap. And in my workplace pension, I don't have that fund available, mm-hmm. but I once again essentially chose the lowest global fund that I could find. Yeah. Um, and that is, yeah, I'm not sure what it's called actually, but that's just once again a low cost global fund. So yeah. I think depending on what platform or account you're using, there might be different options That my approach is generally the most globally diversified for the lowest fee. um, And then you're not betting on any individual company or industry or economy. You're just betting on the world growing over time, uh, like it always has done for the last thousands of years. (laughs) You're
2: betting on just generally the world growing rather than trying to figure out what country is going to be the best over the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah. What industry is going to be the best over the next 20 years. You're just saying, let me just invest in. Globally, the world the economy, exactly as a whole, that like, we think that it will go up. Yeah, it, it makes sense, right? Because it has in the past, um and that's that's your investment. Yeah, that's strategy. It. So I've done a lot and, of I mean, research. That
1: makes sense because uh, I wrote an ebook actually, yeah, which came out end of last year. But as part of that, I did a lot of research inside the last hundred plus years mm-hmm. of global stock market returns, and what you see is one country is very rarely dominant for more than like a couple of decades so for example the uk was about 25 percent of the global stock market 100 years ago now it's only four percent so if 100 years ago you thought the uk is the biggest and best economy i'm only going to invest in that of course, comparatively, yeah. it's hardly grown compared to the rest of the world. Japan is probably the best example. Because in the 80s and 90s, it was every investor's favorite economy, all the best car companies, tech companies, were all in Japan. And Japan made up about 45% of the global stock market. Wow. And Now it's only 6%. And there's hardly been any growth in Japan for decades. Um, the US is a bit of an outlier. But over the last 100 years, its sort of low point was about 15% of the global stock market and then its high point was 65%, and it's now at 57%. But it's sort of been the biggest economy now for about 15 years, and as I was saying, you very rarely see one country be so dominant for sort of 30, 40 years. So it could be emerging markets growing now. could be China coming soon. Like, no one really knows, which is why I don't just want to bet on the US, even though it's currently doing the best, because who knows in 20 or 30 years' time what the world might look like. And you sort of got to keep your ego in check and understand <laughs> that you can't predict which economies yeah. can do the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone thought Japan would be the best 30 years ago. And now they're tiny compared to the US in terms of their like output and their like market cap, what they make up of the global stock market. Um, so yeah, that's essentially why I use global index funds, try and take all the emotion out of it, look at the data and then just invest based on that.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think I think that makes sense. And I think I would say pretty much everybody should have, like Their base, anyway, or their portfolio should invest in a global, globally diverse index or index fund or ETF. I think that makes sense, yeah. I agree. Um, to have as a base, especially when like you're a beginner investor, I think like your first five to ten thousand should be in something like that. And then if you do want to dabble up, maybe like if you're a stock nerd and you're like, okay, cool, I really want to dabble into other stuff, you can, but you have that. As a basis, because yeah, like you said, it makes sense. Nobody's gonna be able to pr- predict what happens. Like yeah, the states has been the best, but a lot of people are saying that it's overvalued, and it may not return that well in the next ten years. Nobody knows, right? Yeah, yeah, literally, no you one know? knows. No one knows. They're saying okay, in the future it might be the second biggest, and China might be the biggest, or it might be the third biggest. So, and you're having to what do all these calculations yeah. and. On variables that you do not control. And <laughs> at the end of the yeah, day, right? no
1: one knows, which is why it's just. Yeah. And it's much more simpler as well. Yeah. Just accept that, and then for me personally, anyway, use one global fund primarily, and then that's all I've got to do. I've not got to be like researching individual stocks, and I used to do that to be fair when I first started. Yeah. When I was at uni, had a lot of time. I'd always be like reading up at different stocks, watching YouTube videos. But I sort of understood, even from doing that for like a few months, it's just impossible to predict what the market's going to do. Yeah. No one knows. Um, so, whilst I'm still interested in individual stocks, yeah. I literally don't invest into hardly any. And like all my stock market investments, like 98% or something is in index funds and ETFs. Okay. Wow. So, I've percent Yeah, literally That's no individual crazy. stocks, pretty much. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay.
2: So, what is there any other index funds you invested in? So, it's um,
1: mainly. So mainly yeah, the global so, one. And so yeah, I've was... got the FTSE Global All Cap yeah. on Vanguard yeah. in my ISA and my SIP. Yeah. On Free Trade, I've got another. They don't have the FTSE Global All Cap, okay. but they have the FTSE All World, Okay. which is also on Vanguard's website, but I have that on Free Trade. Essentially, um, I had some money on Free Trade, and I wanted to put it in a global index fund, okay. and the FTSE All World is the best option. Okay. Um, It's essentially the same as the FTSE Global All Cap, but it doesn't invest into small cap stocks okay so only invests into medium and large size companies right. okay which which actually means it has half the amount of stocks than the FTSE global all cap okay the all cap has seven thousand. the all world has three thousand five hundred. Right. right but if you actually look at the performance over the last 10 15 years it's literally identical okay. just because the small cap stocks are a relatively small part yeah. of the all cap okay and they don't really contribute a huge amount so it's literally the exact same performance so that's a question i get quite often they say like i watch your vanguard portfolio updates and you have the foot to global all cap on my platform or in my country i don't have that um what should i do yeah. and i just say look at the foot to your world because it's essentially the exact same thing like a globally yeah. diversified vanguard fund um on trading 212 i then actually do have the VUSA, which is okay. the s&p an s&p 500 etf right. okay um to honest with you, that has been there now for years. It's okay. like maybe like a thousand pound. I've just had, it's almost like a legacy position at this point. I probably should just either put it in a global fund yeah. or take the money off the platform and put it into my ISA. Okay. But I quite like opening up new investment accounts and yeah. new platforms just yeah. to like try them out. And then when people ask me, what do you think of like this X new platform? Yeah. I already have an account so I can like tell them what it's like and what are the yeah. pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on Trading 2 on too. Um And I've also got then my stake platform which is like an australian platform okay and you essentially i have individual stocks on that platform only like 500 quid but that's essentially because you can't invest into etfs oh really unless you're an accredited investor so i literally have no i literally cannot physically i wanted to invest into global etfs isn't it
2: supposed to be the opposite yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) well
1: that's how it used to be anyway like maybe a year or two ago i don't really use it much but yeah so i have like 500 500 dollars on there split between like Tesla, Coinbase, and Nike. I think. um I mean, like, I very rarely check it, but yeah, that's okay. essentially like my whole portfolio. Okay. Wow. But yeah, as I was saying, like, ninety-eight percent of the money is mm. in index funds okay. or ETFs. Yeah. Of that, like, ninety percent is in global index funds and ETFs. About eight percent is in the S and P five hundred, okay. and the other one or two percent is then just sort of some random individual stocks on stake that i physically can't put into index funds otherwise i yeah. would and then they wouldn't exist <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah you're definitely protected your your portfolio even with the swings in the market your your yeah, portfolio yeah. is definitely protected because because it's so diverse even when it's going down it's not going down as much as like a, a stock like a tesla or something thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. to eight hundred dollars you're not losing 20 yeah. percent like in like a week or or a few days so yeah i think that is one of the biggest benefits of um, you know investing in index funds and, and ETFs because I feel like it's a bit better for your emotions. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. definitely better for your emotions, especially as a beginner investor. You're not going to see yourself losing loads of money. Yeah, overnight or, or over a few days, and your downside is a lot more protected. Um, you're also investing in crypto yeah. as well. So right? the one thing
1: to put this on actually, one misconception I guess of index funds and ETFs, yeah. people think because that global because that really diversified, yeah. they can only go up. You can still lose you can still <laughs> no. lose money if like yeah. there's like a war like there is and was. Yeah. Um like global index funds will still be negatively impacted. Yeah. But using that example earlier on, the Nasdaq at the start in the first six months of this year, or the first four months of this year, sorry, fell about 33, 35%. Yeah. Whereas global funds only fell about sort of 17, 18%. So yeah. It's one of those things where you still will lose money, but the point is because you're globally diversified, if one c- company does fail, like you know, like Blockbuster or Woolworths or whoever, if someone runs out of money, you're not going to lose 100% of your money because yeah. you have, in like a global fund's case, 6,999 other stocks to sort of help you yeah, stay afloat. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, no, I do also invest in crypto. Yeah. So I've been doing that pretty regularly since about May 2020. Okay. So it's wow. been probably like over, yeah, maybe like nearly two and a half years now. Um, Essentially just read like a few books um, okay. in terms of crypto and then sort of believed in it and sort of started investing into it pretty regularly. And that was actually when like Bitcoin was less than $10,000 and Ethereum was like $200. Yeah. So oh, it, wow, I okay. wasn't even that early, but compared to what the prices got to, where yeah. it was like 60k and yeah. 4k it looks early yeah <laughs> but that's just the nature of crypto that's even more volatile than anything else i think it's a good point what we made earlier on because i did have pretty much a, a solid base even before that yeah i had been investing really since like indirectly through my workplace pension in 2017 and indirectly through my stocks and shares isa in 2018 so i did still have about three in a three sort of years of Sort of a base of like index funds and yeah. ETFs and sort of knowledge and reading and making money simple and everything. Um. So and then I ventured at the plunge and started investing. Yeah, into crypto in like May 2020.
2: Yeah, I said five to ten k, but how much do you think somebody should have invested in like a like a well? Again, I think diversified portfolio. So I I think a global index fund, like you said, or ETF. Yeah, how much do you think somebody should invest? It's hard have to have as a base. I know it's different for different yeah, people, but it's a hard when they start looking at
1: crypto. It's hard to put a number on it. I'd say you'd probably look at it more as like a percentage. Okay, I'd probably say you probably don't really want more than 20 to 30 percent in crypto, yeah. Uh, particularly if you're a new investor, maybe even 10 percent just because it is very volatile, mm-hmm. like you can almost see ridiculous returns overnight and then it will all come crashing down the next yeah. night. <laughs> um, but I'd say maybe like a maximum 30 percent in crypto between 10 and 30 percent so if you have you know maybe like 900 pounds in an index fund maybe put 100 pound in crypto Mm -hmm. but you've got to understand that um it's very volatile and it's much more volatile than the stock market of course you can make more money but you can also lose more money which is why a bit like with my stock market approach, and I keep my strategy as simple as possible. My crypto approach, I also keep as simple as possible. So I pretty much only invest into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Okay, um, They're my main two um, positions in my portfolio. Two? So ultimately, my thinking is that, I mean, bit c- crypto has only been an asset class since yeah. about twenty eight, 2008, 2009. Yeah. So it's only been around for about 13 years. Um, and it's impossible to know if it will actually survive. If It will be around in 50 years, 100 years, 500 years. No one knows. So I think if any are going to survive, it's going to be the big ones being Bitcoin and Ethereum, Um, which is why, yeah, I mainly only invest into those two. I've got a bit of CRO, um, which is Crypto.com's token. Okay, But that's because I'm just like a big fan of their platform. I've got their like prepaid card. I use their staking feature. Mm -hmm. I use their sort of like uh like platform to buy crypto. So I have a bit of CRO, but the main two I like actively invest into is Bitcoin and Ethereum every okay. month.
2: Okay. And I think that makes sense. They have a history of being
1: the top two for quite a while. Yeah, Bitcoin's yeah. been the top for 10 plus years. That's seems, yeah, Bitcoin's a... always been the top. And I think yeah. even I don't know right now, but Bitcoin I think makes up like 50 plus percent of the total yeah. crypto capitalization or yeah. market cap. So the total value of crypto more than half of it is in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. which what this was the first mover, it was been around for the longest. Yeah. It's obviously got the properties where, you know, the blockchain where people first saw it. So yeah. um and then Ethereum was sort of the next biggest one. And that's I guess like with crypto it's sort of more like a digital gold, a store yeah. of wealth, whereas crypto is sort of ethereum sorry you can use for like actual purposes like it's like buying nfts and art for like lending that's more like a use case and sort of utility to be used and that was once again like a first mover which is probably why it's the second largest
2: yeah 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 i think i i understand definitely why people are bullish on bitcoin and ethereum for the long term i think there's any there's nothing out there yeah, that can say okay. I've got the reputation of Bitcoin. Yeah. I've been Nothing ever what I for, think, either, yeah. You know, not even Ethereum, you know. Um, you know, Bitcoin is the the godfather. Doesn't mean the godfather can't get taken down. It <laughs> could potentially, but like I said, there's nothing yet in terms of the trust. I don't think there's any other crypto out there that has the same level of trust as Bitcoin. Or Ethereum yeah. at the top. That's why they're the top. Yeah. Because you know, institutions trust trust them. The rest, they don't really trust them.
1: And that's what caused a yeah. massive boom in 2021. Yeah. A lot of like institution investor, institutional investors, a lot of banks, a lot of hedge funds yeah. all started investing, or the whales, as people call them, like the big investors, the big purchasers, yeah. started buying up Bitcoin, which is why its price shot up to like 60 or 70k or something crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, almost similar to my sort of stock market portfolio it's not like i don't enjoy looking at individual (laughs) cryptocurrencies i still watch a lot of youtube videos on crypto and new cryptos and stuff but ultimately i just like my strategy being as simple as possible which is why i just stick to bitcoin and ethereum um i don't want to be tracking 50 different coins and all of that stuff bitcoin and ethereum and that's what i've done for two and a half years now and will continue to do yeah
2: and i think it makes sense there's there's like I think it's 9,000 coins or something. 9,000 coins slash tokens out there. There's so, always what's this for? Crypto. 9,000. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like 9,000. Yeah. <laughs> it just mad. keeps on. Yeah. You know, because there's no regulation. So anybody can create yeah. their own um, scams and yeah, rubbish. It, yeah. And, you know, is like 9% so, a mess. The whole yeah. thing
1: with, was it, what was it? The other USDT, was it Terra Luna? Yeah. Which was like the fifth biggest crypto. And that went yeah. to zero. Yeah. Um, like KSI invested three mil. And he lost like 100% of his money overnight. That's why he's doing his boxing matches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah easy to I see UKSI. Yeah, yeah, that's why he's doing them
2: boxing matches two in one, two in one night. But um, yeah, yeah
1: nice. No, so and that was like, I think the fifth or sixth biggest crypto, yeah. which sort of shows you even the biggest ones can fail. I mean, yeah. Bitcoin, I mean, maybe not Bitcoin. Ethereum probably still could, could still fail. Yeah. Because with Bitcoin, there's not like a team or like an owner necessarily. It's just sort of proof of work. So you have miners, all sort of validating the blockchain, you know, the people investing into it, it's sort of completely decentralized. Whereas a lot of other cryptos do have some sort of centralization. Yeah. Which is some kind I think, of founder, yeah. some kind of person that is tied to it. Yeah. So, so even though people do represent Bitcoin in the Bitcoin network, I do think that'll be that's a true decentralized coin. Yeah. Um and that is why I think that one will always be the biggest and the yeah, best. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just was a disruptor and
2: and because like you said nobody claims it yeah you said i created it. i mean okay there's one person in the yeah. world that's trying to no one knows claim. Who he is yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but um he's trying to claim right now the, the guy in australia is actually is it always in new zealand yeah in australia, trying, australia yeah australia. he's trying to yeah claim that he's a creator i mean i'm not gonna dispute whether he is or not i might meet him when i go there. yeah you can speak <laughs> to him maybe get him on the podcast <laughs> that is jokes um so you're also, you you mess in Vanguard. Is that still your preferred platform? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mainly use, so I have my workplace, pe- uh, sorry, my SIP, which is my private pension and my stocks and shares ISA with Vanguard. Yeah. I've been using them since about mid 2018. So for, yeah, over four years now, which is actually pretty mad. Um, I mean, there's loads of reasons why I use Vanguard. So first of all, they're the second largest asset manager in the world behind BlackRock okay. so in terms of sort of like having a good reputation being reputable, being safe, trusting them. um, Yeah, you can't really get much bigger than that. They have like trillions and trillions of dollars under management um, and have a pretty low fee or very low fee actually. There are lower fee options um, like Invest Engine is a new platform which is sort of almost trying to become the new sort of Vanguard. um, But they're very low fees still and they're also transparent with their fees, yeah. which is what I like. If you just type in on Google Vanguard full costs and charges, you can see exactly what fees you will pay for every single fund you can invest into, like to the naught one percent. Whereas on other platforms, particularly when you're sort of buying individual stocks, it can be of a minefield. Yeah. Like you have like an FX fee, then you have like a reinvesting dividend fee, then you have a platform fee and an annual charge fee and yeah. then stamp duty and then like the bid-ass spread, the price between the buy and the sell price. Yeah. It's almost a bit of a, how much you're actually paying in fees. You're probably paying a lot of hidden fees you don't even know about. Yeah. Whereas Vanguard are very transparent. So that's number two. Um, number three, they've like, they only have funds. There's no individual stocks on the platform. So it really fits my sort of like passive investing long-term approach of just buying and holding index funds over the long-term. And then number four is they have my specific global index fund that like I use, the FTSE Global all Cap, Yeah, okay. And that's 100% of the money that I've got in my SIP and my yeah. stocks and Isa. Um, I mean... Number five, I guess. So Jack Bogle, who's the founder of Vanguard, he actually created the first index fund in 1975, and also created Vanguard, which brought down fees massively. Because before that, really, it was only sort of rich old white men who invested in the 70s. It was only available to them. Now, literally, anyone can invest for literally peanuts, and it's mainly because of him innovating that you
2: you know that you can create out of it, like you said. Like it's is. Um, it's crazy like how accessible it is today like and it's I feel like it's become way more accessible in the last two years we've seen so much progress I remember literally it was about I think it might have been the beginning of 2020 when I wanted to invest in um, stocks in the U.S. And the only options at that time was, I think, like Hargreaves Lansdowne. Yeah, was the only one. And that was, and that's an expensive. Yeah, platform. it was quite expensive. Yeah. And these other ones came out, like the trading two one two, the free trades. Now you you um you spoke about um what was the oh, one day stake? Yes, yeah, stake. The and got, like, there's, there's all these other ones like, like yeah, that have come out now. By the way, not investment advice. Um, <laughs> just, just talking about the progress. And now they allow you access to it with
1: low fee. So is it is it's um yeah it's never been more like cheaper yeah cheaper easier yeah. and accessible to start investing exactly um, i mean with vanguard the minimum amount per month is 100 pounds yeah so it's still like a decent amount of money yeah. but if you can't afford that there are some of the platforms you mentioned you can actually start from like one pound three pound yeah so you can still start even yeah. if you only put five pound ten pound in a month yeah it's which crazy. you couldn't you couldn't have done as you were saying a few years yeah. ago let alone in the 70s yeah. when like jack bogle or sort of created vanguard and index fund and then Obviously, the industry was fuming with him because they were ripping people off, charging massive fees. And he's here like, I've got the S&P 500, tiny fee. We get better returns than all of you fund managers. Yeah, they're um, still ripping people off, to be honest. are yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? Because if
2: they charge you, I don't know what their charges are, but let's say they're charging you 3% yeah. a year, which is That's probably huge. what they're charging, right? That's yeah. a crazy amount, right? You know? Um, and and inflation is what, 2%? So... They charge you more than inflation. So you're losing, you're wiping out that much of your money every year. Like it's- It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like
1: they they rip people off because people really, really, and it's a lot through like things like pension funds where people almost don't know any better and don't check what they're being invested into. Then all of a sudden, even like a 1% fee, it sounds like 1%, you know, that's hardly anything. Like you invest a hundred pound a year, it's only one pound. But all of a sudden, if you compound, say a hundred pound a month for 30 years, at say 10 percent and then you change that to nine percent that one percent fee you're paying that will literally put thousands if not tens of thousands of pounds back into your pocket had you sort of uh, re- uh reduced that fee earlier on yeah which is why yeah generally speaking the lowest fee option the better in terms of both platform and the actual fund you're investing into yeah. just because the lower fee you pay the more money is compounding in your pocket and then the more you'll end up with in the end yeah yeah it's and crazy. even like 0.5 percent one percent some of these like rip off funds charging two three percent yeah like that would literally take hundreds of thousands of pounds out of your pocket and put it into the fund manager's pocket and often with these active funds you're essentially overpaying for underperformance yeah and that has been proved like time and time again every year when the data comes out it's like 85 percent of fund managers underperform their benchmark or 95 percent underperformed and if you literally just use a global index fund or an S&P 500 index fund, you're going to outperform most professional people who do it for a living, which is crazy to think about because pretty much everything in life, the more you do or something, the better you're going to get. So people often think, if I like research loads of stocks and do all this intricate like sort of digging, I'm then going to get a better return. But often you won't. Mm. Which, like Another thing is Fidelity, they've done this study years ago and they found out like the bet- investors with the best returns were actually dead because they hadn't <laughs> been able to tinker with their portfolio. Whereas everyone trying to buy and sell, <laughs> like bad. time the highs and lows, actually lost out to the investors that are dead and just left their money there. Wow, Which sort of just shows why buying and holding, investing regularly, isn't only really the simplest strategy. Yeah. But I'm obviously unbiased, but in my opinion, the best strategy just because, yeah. like the data of the last hundred years, as we've been through, history of looking at sort of all these active fund managers, um, it's just impossible to consistently beat the market, and it's literally one of the hardest things to do in the world.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it It really is. And like we said, so many variables. And as we get more and more information, those variables become even more extreme of yeah. how things are going to happen. Right? Like, I remember, I remember so vividly the beginning of this year in January. You know, I've 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 been in the stock market, predictions. There was not one prediction about any war yeah, happening in yeah. Ukraine. Black
1: Swan event. Yeah.
2: <laughs> nobody ever thought that was happening. You know, so there's there's so many things, like so many things happening in a few months. So we had um Ukraine issue, petrol prices went crazy. Yeah. Uh Inflation, inflation, we know crazy. inflation was kind of going, but it was it was not that bad. Obviously, the government, energy, yeah, energy, the government was like falling apart. Yeah, just like <laughs> in the space of just a few months, yeah. like for the first two or three months, it was like how much is going on, yeah, right? It's, you it's know, mad. people boycotting Russia, like it, a yeah. lot had happened. So this is the stuff that you've got to try and predict on a day to day basis globally. Which, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, which is so it's difficult. insane. Is insane. So I mean,
1: even I think like Warren Buffett is like the greatest investor of all time has I think like only just tracked the S&P 500 over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. So even like the best investor of all time, who has like billions of dollars and reads 500 pages a day, and literally knows all these CEOs personally can't beat a simple low cost S&P 500 index fund. Like what chance do we have yeah. working nine to five and doing like 20 minutes of research yeah. a night? <laughs> it's tough,
2: it's, it, it definitely is tough.
1: Um, so for those people, because
2: we, we we probably will have another Black Swan event in the future. We'll probably will have. We don't know how the year is going to end. It could end badly. You know, we we are we're hearing our energy prices are going to skyrocket, so that could have an impact across the world. We don't know. I I know in the UK's energy prices are bad. I don't know what it's like in the US. Maybe it's equally as bad. There might be a recession. There's lots of yeah. you know talks and stuff like that. So it's likely the stock market <laughs> could go down. Right. <laughs> A lot of people are going to be scared. So what would your tips be to those people who are going to be worried about investing in the stock market at a bad time?
1: So I think as we sort of went through earlier on, investing these those bad times are actually the best times to invest. I mean, this sounds a bit stupid. Um, and if you just start investing recently, you're probably not gonna think like this. But I would almost wish the stock market would crash like 80% and then stay low for years and years. So I can just carry on investing <laughs> at super low prices and then make even more gains over the future. Of course, I know that's selfish because if it did do that, a lot of people who would be retiring next year would be like crippled. <laughs> so and I'm sure that won't happen because of all the money printing and governments would intervene and stuff. Um, but I would just say a lot of investing is just about like mindset and psychology and just understanding like crashes and corrections happen. Like on average, the market corrects, which is a 10% fall every one to two years, every 18 months on average. The stock market crashes, which I think is a 20% fall every sort of six to seven years. So these crashes and corrections uh, are just completely normal. There's always booms and busts. So you always got to try and get your head in a place where you're happy. Well, not happy, but you can deal with yourself losing money on paper. And remember, it's only on paper until you sell. If The market crashes 20%. And you don't sell. You've not actually lost any money. It's only only on paper. And the market, as we've shown with COVID, as we've shown with the Ukraine war, as we've shown with the dot-com bubble, the 9-11, the financial crash in 2008, the Wall Street crash in 1929, all the oil shocks and crashes in the 70s and 80s, the market always bounces back, which is why I just carry on investing and carry on holding is the best thing to do through those bad times. And which is why I think just sort of getting a good grounding on just like psychologically um like the mindset sort of side of things there's a good book called a psychology of money which i recommend people read which is yeah. a gen- pretty short read like 200 pages and sort okay. of goes through a lot of that behavioral economic stuff the little book of common sense investing is jack bogle's book going through sort of index funds and investing for the long term that's another good book to read and that's sort of books to read when maybe you're feeling a bit nervous um with the market for them i mean Another thing that goes without saying, you know, only invest what you can afford. You still actually, any money you're investing, you shouldn't be touching for 10 years at a minimum, probably even more. Ultimately, with me, when I'm investing money, the main aim of that money is literally to live off of it one day. So I don't want to be touching it. And even then, I'll only be drawing down a little bit of it to live off of. So... Only rest that you can afford, obviously you need to have like an emergency fund so you, you can like, su- survive any emergencies. You need to have some money in your, your like current accounts so you can survive and live day to day. So don't like, put, like, don't like YOLO 100% into the stock yeah. market and then it crashes. You've got to be sensible. Um, but yeah, that's probably the two main things I'd say. Just have like, well, as I sort of went through, have like a good sort of financial base if you can have like an emergency fund, focus on paying off high interest debt. So then if a crash did happen, you're then sort of like got a good financial base that you don't need to sell your investments yeah. and if anything when it does crash you actually want to add to your investments if you can because that's the best time to invest yeah or at least carry on investing and then at the same point being sort of grounded in like the psychological side of things understand that this is normal this happens all the time it's part of the economic cycle there's booms and busts it's nothing new you know if you're 20 years old now you will probably go through Pretty much at least 20 corrections. Yeah. We'll probably go through at least three, four, five, six huge recessions where people are losing jobs and there's like 30, 40, 50% falls. That's just the nature of investing. um And yeah, something you've got to sort of deal with. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Great, great, great tips there. <laughs> really love that. And um, I had a question actually from a few people in terms of like beginning their investing journeys. What would you say is the best? way to start because there's a lot of information out there there's almost too much can to consume so yeah. where would you say is like the best starting point for someone to
1: begin choice overload in? so yeah. i'd say the best thing to do is probably read a few books yeah. um so i'd say some good books are rich dad poor dad yeah i mentioned two already psychology of money little bit of common sense Investing. another couple of good ones are i will teach you to be rich yeah um Oh, I always have five that I can't have. i forgot forgotten the fifth one. But I'd say just reading a few books, get a sort of good understanding of investing, of like the mindset of wealth building or personal finance. And if you sort of read those four books I mentioned, you'll be quite well-rounded when it comes to sort of managing your money. Yeah. And then I think ultimately the most important thing is just to get started. And that's why shameless plug, my ebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, plug stop, it, plug <laughs> it. Stop waiting to start investing. Yeah. And it essentially goes through the three-step process that I've talked about for years on Instagram and YouTube and a podcast, which essentially you choose a platform, choose an account, and then choose an actual investment. So for me, that looks like choosing a platform Vanguard, choosing an account, a stocks and shares ISA or a SIP. For me, I'd probably say a stocks and shares ISA just because that's more flexible and you can live off of it before retirement age and then three, choose an actual investment. For me, that's a global fund, yeah. um, specifically the FTSE Global All Cap. And then the minimum amount is hundred pound a month on Vanguard, set up that investment. And then you're literally an investor into 7,000 stocks. And then sort of what will happen is though, as you sort of learn more and like read more, you will you might change your strategy. You might have maybe a few individual stocks. You might want to invest into some REITs to get some property exposure. You might want to invest into crypto. It will evolve and change. But I think just by getting started, following that three-step approach. You have got very low fees. You're globally diversified. Mm-hmm. You're investing every month automatically as well. Yeah. So you're then sort of almost ninety. You're literally ninety-five percent of the way there. Yeah. And then anything extra you do is really just tinkering with it. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So that's how brilliant. I tell you to get started. And that's what I talk about in the ebook, yeah. on YouTube videos. Yeah, like even I send voice notes pretty much weekly to people when they ask me <laughs> how to start. I might just do. Yeah. Th- those three things and a uh, universal no matter what country yeah. there's platforms in every country yeah the accounts might vary but you can almost follow like low-fee platform a sort of account with some tax advantages and then a global fund and then you're literally like 90% of the way there
2: yeah yeah brilliant brilliant tips and yeah I, I always appreciate your approach uh, to making it as simple as possible for people because when I, when I started yeah, it's a lot I didn't on. understand <laughs> it like that. I was like, okay, I want to invest, but all that I invest in? <laughs> I didn't even really know about the stock market. I was like, okay, cool. What is the stock market? Okay. How do I invest in the stock market? Okay. Oh, platform, okay. Account. Okay. There was like so much. So I really appreciate the way um um you break it down. Um it's gonna be very, very um
1: helpful for the listeners. Um so yeah, what what's what's next for you? So obviously as we discussed at the start, Australia. So um I'm moving out of London in about a month. And then I'm then going to Australia the following month in October. So really, it's probably going to be, I guess, like winding down and getting myself ready for that. And then hopefully learning about all the Australian personal finance things I can share (laughs) on Instagram and TikTok and all that. Um, And then whilst I'm there, I'll be sort of like working a nine to five. I'll hopefully still be posting content on making money simple. And I'll sort of be trying to like enjoy myself and going to sporting events and going on nights out and traveling around Australia and all that sort of stuff on holidays. So that's the main thing. I think in terms of making money simple, the next thing I want to do, other than sort of posting like consistently on all the different social media platforms, is maybe make a course. Okay. Yeah, I've done a poll a couple of months ago and I've been a bit lazy with it. If people, because I've sort of done like a spreadsheet, I've done a workshop, I've done a book. I'm like, what can I sort of do next? And I've done a poll. Should I do like a course, a video course or like a mastermind group? of like people where you like pay monthly and we're all in the same group and do like weekly calls and stuff and people said the course so okay. I think I'm going to sort of maybe build a course because I've done so much stuff on investing and that three step approach already yeah. even though we'll go through all of that stuff it's more going to be like personal finance focused it's okay. so going through like saving like getting married how to deal with that buying a house <laughs> how to do that like a buying a car <laughs> yeah I'm coming to you with some tips but like all <laughs> these actual like personal finance things like yeah. saving budgeting and then of course, investing as well. Yeah. Uh, but they're sort of going from like, even like investing for children, like how to like pass money down and void inheritance tax. Yeah. There's loads of sort of things you can cover. And I think I want it to be more like a well-rounded overview of personal finances. So I know people, even I do read a lot, I know people don't like reading. And most courses focus on one individual specific thing. Yeah. Whereas I think if I do like a, it might be quite long, but I can do like a broad course. That maybe I'll bring you it do out. do it in different modules. Yeah, yeah. different modules. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll bring yeah. it out at some point this year. Yeah. i have not really got too far of it, but Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Let let us know. Therefore, watch out for that. I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that because a lot of people need guidance in terms of their personal, in terms of their personal finance. It took me years to to get to this stage and I would have definitely appreciated some sort of guidance you know and it's never perfect um,
1: you're always learning exactly reading adapting it exactly Obviously, as new accounts come out you might switch to get a high interest rate or switch credit cards or exactly switch exactly. platforms so it's always sort of evolving
2: yeah yeah it's crazy I, i'm still i'm still learning things till today i mean for me now is transitioning to you know getting joint accounts yeah and yeah learning what that process is like yeah. and
1: uh yeah, yeah it's very very interesting um where can people find you so pretty much making money simple yeah on every platform, yeah. like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, yeah. podcast. Um, if you're pretty much on any platform, just type in making money simple, you'll probably find me. There yeah. are actually a lot of fake accounts. Oh my say, God, your
2: Instagram. I searched it's for It's crazy. Money simple, yeah. You've got at least six, seven fake yeah, accounts. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: So it's literally making money simple, yeah. all one word. Yeah. That's it. There's no like apostrophes or commas or dots or underscores yeah. or double Ys or double. It's just literally making money simple. Um, and I'll obviously never ask you for like personal details. Yeah, no, right. I can vouch for Ryan. he like, would never, would never yeah. ask you for that. Yeah, that's crazy. So just be careful. But yeah, making money simple on every platform pretty much. Wow, awesome, awesome.
2: And do you have a final word for the listeners
1: or watchers? Yeah, stop waiting and start investing. <laughs> <laughs> buzz, 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 buzz. No, thank you so much, Ryan. No, thanks uh, so I for it. coming
2: in person. Yeah. Um, You know, it's always great speaking to you about investing and you always give like great great actionable and straightforward tips and you don't speak in a jargon um jargon you don't speak with a lot of jargon which i really really appreciate and I, a lot of the listeners would appreciate i think you know sometimes when you speak to people you forget like the wealth of knowledge you've accumulated especially in a yeah. personal finance space so it can become really easy to say things and uh you know with jargons and trying yeah, to use yeah. all these really smart smart intelligent um terms and then you just bamboozle them but you've kept it kept it simple
1: and you've been. Com- consistent so i want to I've definitely commend to, yeah. you on that um yeah one thing, as well. one thing we'll say as well mm. if anyone does have any questions they can dm me dm me, on instagram yeah, yeah. obviously my real yeah. account not the fake ones um and i'll either like try and help you out or sort of point you in the right direction or yeah. someone who knows more than me um but no i appreciate all those no that's
2: no, all right it's all right i always always have to appreciate somebody who's been in the game for for longer <laughs> than me as well especially and um, no i definitely definitely appreciate you good luck in australia let us know how it goes and yeah when you come back we'll, we'll definitely do uh, a podcast if the podcast still going it probably will be, be when you come back in, Patrick, a, year, in a few one. years time <laughs> then yeah we'll do it we could you can tell me all about what it's like investing in australia personal finance in australia um yeah that would be that'd be awesome listeners thank you so much or watchers thank, thank you, you so much everyone, yeah. um for t- tuning into this episode of the takeoff experience and yeah we'll see you next week